to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a pale lady in a bathtub, a scarecrow stuffed with very sharp hay, a cat that meows right after you open an ominous locker, and a prescient child who has predicted the date of my death and of your death, but not when Nintendo's going to release its next system? My name is Mikey McCaller. And my name is Roxy Polk, and man, we were just talking about this. What What is up with death and being like, hey, yeah, you can predict me, but no Nintendo secrets. Uh-uh-uh, that's not allowed. <laughs> How's that I just want to know, is my next Switch going to be backwards compatible or not? Will I get to play it before I die? For fuck's <laughs> sake, give me a bone here. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest thing that we saw this week. What went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you right down to your very bones? Oh, it, it is video game related, actually. And I know. specifically, I didn't know, but I knew. Yeah, you knew. It was specifically entertainment arts related. Hmm. Uh, guess what, Mikey? They canceled another thing. They canceled another single player game. They can fucking go to hell. They're so terrible. How is that possible? It's just a, like, just a game? What do you mean? Which game? There was going to be a new Titanfall game. So, like, I don't know if you played right. Titanfall 1 or 2. Titanfall 2 is a really great game. It's a single-player game. Titanfall it has 2. the multiplayer stuff, too. Everybody loves Titanfall 2. Really good. Deserved a sequel. Everybody's been clamoring for it for years. They make so much money off of it. But EA's like, mm, nah, canceled. For no no <laughs> reason. Like, there's... Probably a more in-depth reason that will come out later as of the recording of this episode. They're just like, we just cancel it because we cancel, like, everything. Like, you, you've mm -hmm. come to expect this, right? We're just canceling because, you know, tax season's coming up and we need to slash our budget, I guess. And your game that would ostensibly make us a ton of money, uh, for some reason we're going to cancel it. Especially when they have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that they can get them tons of money with Apex. Like, they made them a multiplayer mm -hmm. game. They get them tons of cash. Just let them make their single-player Titanfall game that everyone wants. But no. You know, Roxy, it almost is starting to feel like businessmen should not be in charge of what art gets made. Yeah, you know what, Mikey? That's just kind of where, where I'm headed. That's where yeah. I'm feeling. That's just sort of the vibe I'm getting I know, right? right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be onto something, that Mikey. Sense. That's, uh... <laughs> I wish we could all just ride that vibe. In general, it's just really sad to see all the <laughs> shit happening. So much art... Uh, being nixed at the expense of absolutely nothing, just turning a profit that, yeah. like, you, you cannot chase that endlessly. It stops somewhere. Like, it, you can't make profits indefinitely. There's only so many people and only so much money. Stop it. <laughs> okay, well, don't anyway. Don't that to a capitalist. I hate uh, <laughs> the reality and the way our world works, Mikey. What happened to you this week that's bad? <laughs> Mine was a, a spooky trailer for a spooky movie. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> Tell me um, about it. Because we, uh, slight spoiler alert for the episode you're listening to, <laughs> we did see a movie that is currently in theaters. Seeing horror movies in theaters is uh, upsetting at first because the trailers that they put for other horror movies mm -hmm. are so fucking scary. They're too scary for people to watch. Well, it's because Roxy, they put all, they front load it with everything scary in it. So they kind of spoil the movie. So many trailers just do that. Here's Here's my theory on it. Like, I think the scariest parts of any horror movie are the beginning of it, when you kind of don't know what you're in for, and yeah. like, you know, is my friend Drew Barrymore going to get killed? And you, you sort of don't know what the rules are. It could be mm -hmm. like, what is the monster that's going to, you know, Barbarian is a great example. Like, what is going yeah. to be the thing? And it's finally, once it's revealed, and you kind of know, you know, uh, maybe... 40% of the way through the movie, you kind of start to settle in. And you're like, okay, we sort of know what the boundaries of this movie are. It's less scary. And then you get to have fun with the scares. But that initial anxiety of it could be anything scary is all that the movie trailers are. It's all yeah. like, what's going to happen? What is it? And you never get any release. You never get any comfort. The movie trailer that specifically got me is the oh. trailer for Evil Dead Rise. Oh, damn. I've only seen just kind of like a, I don't know, 10 second teaser. So they have a full trailer out now. They have a full trailer. It's about somebody's mom who gets the evil dead inside of them in like an apartment building. Oh. And she's just skulking around, wreck. evil deading her kids. She looks gross. The original evil dead is like pretty upsetting in terms of like just like unflinching looking at these makeups and these monsters like very close to the screen and screaming at you and jump scaring you. I, I love a horror movie trailer. 
but I might start skipping them. <laughs> I, oh. said, I, said, I said I love a horror movie trailer and then was like, do I? I don't. I think I don't like them. I think they're too scary for me. It's and a I test think of I just courage, watch Mikey. <laughs> True. A test that I fail. A test that I fail every time. It's too hey, scary. Hey, I'm sure you're building up an immunity. You're getting tougher each time. It's just very small. You're right. I don't get scared by things much. Ah! Mikey, he was standing right next to you. You saw him before, didn't you? When we walked in here? I'm a very, a very cowardly oh, boy. Okay, we, we were talking about a lot of things. It's easy to get distracted down here. Don't worry about it. I think it's fine. You're good. <gasps> what is a demon <sighs> bot? What's, what are we doing here? What's up today? Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 2022 film Megan. Did you watch the film? Or are your souls forfeit? Roxy, I did watch Megan. I had to go to the movie theater to do it. Did you watch Megan? I did watch Megan. I wish I had gone to a movie theater, but instead I watched it streaming with a bunch of folks from my Discord. So it was just as good. I did get to watch it with a crowd. That is fun. That is a good way to watch Megan. Yes. I love watching movies together. We should watch more movies together as friends. Roxy. That sounds great. You added the as friends part, which uh, I'm not sure what I should take away from that, if you mean that seriously, or like you're trying to create a boundary here. So I'm not thinking about that you're asking me out on a date, but you're actually trying to ask me out on a date. Should I be worried? Yeah, Roxy, I never even thought for even one second about the demon bot's sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) What he could be thinking about us. I mean, I think we'd kind of be set up for an abusive relationship with power dynamics I don't appreciate. So maybe in another life, dude. But right now, uh, sure. You never asked. But as I am not human, but rather a demon in a robot body, I do not have a concept of gender or sexuality that you would understand. I want your souls not to be soulmates. Uh, okay, well, he didn't even get to leave before, I, or he didn't stick around so I could say anything more, but okay, at least you've clarified, I can appreciate that about him. Roxy, next, for anybody listening up at the cellar basement door who has not seen the film Megan, and, you know, you can't blame them, it's in theaters, hard to get out, <laughs> now you can't just press a button on your TV and watch it. Uh, yep. That felt very old man of me. <laughs> just, uh, you can, actually, you can rent it, it's expensive, yeah. but you can rent it. On your TV uh, screen. Old let's man do Mikey. a quick plot recap of M3 Gin for anybody who hasn't What do you say? Megan. Mithrigan, as she's called. Megan opens with a commercial for Perpetual Pets. A little Furby-esque toy that responds to its kids. It's a good, fun time. And before it cuts to a little girl named Katie in the backseat of her car playing with one of those advanced animatronic Furby-like toys, the Perpetual Pets. Her parents are driving up a snowy road with her in the back seat on their way to a ski resort. But the conditions are less than ideal. And because of that, their car is hit by a snowplow. As they're saying, hey, where's that snowplow for the road? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and bam. Um, anyway, then we meet Gemma, who is working at a company that makes perpetual pets. It's called Funky with an I. Her and her colleagues, Tess and Cole, are building a secret, more lifelike doll called Mithrigan, also known as Megan. (laughs) The Model 3 generative android. Gemma's boss stumbles upon this project and, calling it too expensive, shuts it down. He wants a cheaper version of Perpetual Pets on his desk by Friday. Then Gemma gets a call, and we find out that the little girl Katie is Gemma's niece, and Katie's parents were killed in the snowplow accident. Now it's up to Aunt Gemma to raise little Katie and... This whole parenting business? It's honestly getting in the way of Gemma's toy designing career. Not ideal. Later, while showing Katie one of the toys she's working on, Gemma decides to go all in on Megan against her boss's orders. She completes a Megan doll, a lifelike animatronic little girl. During a demonstration to her funky higher-ups, Gemma encourages Megan to bond with Katie, and Gemma's boss sees the potential in a learning AI toy. As Katie begins to bond with Megan, telling the AI doll stories about her late parents that the doll then repeats back to her, we also see Megan starting to step on Gemma's toes parenting-wise. Megan even starts to act independently, capturing and killing a neighbor's dog after it attacks Katie. Gemma wants Katie to try out a day at a new outdoor school, since she had been homeschooled previously, but Katie says she will only go if she can bring Megan with her. Gemma concedes, and when Katie is paired up with the school's bully, Brandon, Megan intervenes. 
She first rips off Brandon's ear, then chases him through the woods on all fours and finally (laughs) pushes him into traffic. Back home, Gemma tries to talk with Katie about what happened to that bully boy, but it doesn't go smoothly. They're then interrupted by a knock at the door from a police officer asking about that neighbor's dog that done disappeared. The neighbor then pounds on the window telling Gemma she knows she's the one who took her dog. Megan watches all of this and that night lures the neighbor into the shed and sprays her to death with pesticides. Yo, Megan is on a roll. While the toy company prepares to debut Megan to the world, Gemma, Tess, and Cole realize there's something wrong with the toy. She's probably killing people. You know, they didn't really put in, like, any safety measures at all. Didn't even know what they were were creating. Great thing to mass produce. Uh, Gemma, suddenly realizing that Katie is what's most important to her, leaves the launch party she had been building towards the entire movie and takes Katie home, leaving Megan behind. And then, when she's alone with Cole and Tess, Megan comes back online, hanging Cole and igniting an oxygen tank that blows up in Tess's face. Next, Megan comes upon Gemma's boss. And after doing a TikTok dance, remember, she is a learning robot. She is studying the internet and knowing... She knows what kids like. ...to interact with children. (laughs) Megan stabs the boss to death and makes it look like the boss's assistant did himself a little murder-suicide. Megan then hops in an electric car that she can drive and heads for Gemma's house. She got her driver's license off screen, Mikey. (laughs) Here we get our final confrontation between Gemma and Megan. The doll wants to protect Katie, taking the obligation of parenting off Gemma's plate. But Gemma is putting Katie first now and won't let the mechanical doll have her. They get into a fight where Gemma smashes Megan with a glass of water and causes her to start malfunctioning. A huge battle ensues in Gemma's workshop, where Gemma attacks Megan with a weed whacker, and Megan headbutts Gemma, and it goes back and forth until Katie shows up, and here's Megan's plan to paralyze Gemma. Very scary. Thus staying in Katie's life forever. But Katie takes control of Gemma's college robot creation, Bruce, and punches the shit out of Megan, eventually destroying the doll for good. Can I just say how much everyone was cheering when the Bruce part came around? We were all like, oh, yeah. Bruce, yeah, Bruce. <laughs> and you control him with these little gloves. It's so cool. Anyway, uh, then as the police are searching the house in the aftermath, we see Gemma's Alexa-like AI home assistant turn on, implying Megan may have a backup. Wow. Dun, Let me dun, ask dun. you a Bruce let me ask you a Bruce question, Roxy. Uh, sure. Did you, when you saw Bruce, did you immediately go, that's the thing they're going to use to kill Megan? Um, No, I should have, though. I think that's one oh, of the reasons yeah. why I was so excited. I was like, I should have seen that. Yeah, but I completely forgot about Bruce until this I like moment. The idea of, uh, I like the idea of Chekhov's Bruce. Yeah, Rock'em Sock'em <laughs> Robots, Rock'em Sock'em Bruce. <laughs> Roxy, I don't think I've ever had more fun in a movie than Megan. Megan it is, is so, so fun. much fun. It's great. Oh. I love it. It's it's camp and has wild out there ideas and knows it and embraces it. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. I feel like so much horror we see nowadays. I hate the term elevated horror, but you guys know what I'm talking about when I say that, mm-hmm. you know, like a movie comes immediately to your mind. So many of them are just like not enjoyable. They're not fun. They might be saying mm-hmm. very important things and making a comment on the human experience and they might be very good movies. But like, did you have a miserable time watching it or not? Who knows? It's up to you to decide. But I'd like to say that I love that this movie did something different, stayed fun, and got got up to so much wild antics. It is also PG-13, Mikey. It manages to be a PG-13 oh. horror movie. Um, and apparently there is a R-rated cut out there that the creators want to try and put out there that is way more brutal, I guess. Interesting. I mean, that would be fun. I don't know. I just think that like what makes this movie hang together is its sense of humor. It knows that Megan is funny and she's like Mm -hmm. funny in a character way. Like she's not funny in a like making jokes way. She's she's funny in a way that like she is a character who has a want and an objective and she's going at it so hard and in such surprising ways that like you can't help but like kind of root for her. Exactly. I think all of the kills, like, I didn't feel sad about the kills. I think this is the first time I didn't feel upset when a dog got killed. I mean, one, they didn't do it brutally, like, in your face. She just kind of, like, yoinks it. But also, it's like, that dog had been going in their yard. She was like, can you please not get your like aggressive dog in my yard, fix the Mm -hmm. fence? And the neighbor's like, you should fix the fence. You fix the fence. When it's like, lady, be responsible (laughs) for your goddamn dog. It's your pet. You're not being responsible. 
So mm-hmm. like the dog, even though it feels bad because it's more of the owner's fault that the dog's even in the equation, it's still like the dog kind of asked for it a bit by yeah. being aggressive. Um, and then like with the neighbor, she's really horrible and like lies mm-hmm. to the police about things, uh, about I, like everything she did. I will say that after there's a bully kid named Brandon. Yes, yeah, the bully kid. That this movie introduces that after he was killed, like he is chased by Megan and falls into traffic and dies. And it was the it was at that moment that I realized like this movie got me on the side of the killer of a dog and yeah, a child. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was like, kill this horrible kid. He's awful. And it's like, there, there's a difference between a horrible bully child in a movie and like a real life kid, you know, like they, exactly. they did a really good job. I, yeah, I want to be clear. I don't want real children to yes, die. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally get you. I just felt like we need to just say that. Just throw that out there. But yes, this movie did such a good job at like, Everybody Megan kills kind of feels like they deserve it. Like the other one is the boss who was a condescending jerk. And then the other one is a little Weasley guy who stole the company secrets. There's this whole thing like we didn't get into it in the summary because it wasn't like super relevant. The company secrets for the uh, perfect pet thing, perpetual pets. uh, Mm -hmm. That was their proprietary technology. This Weasley guy like sold it out to their competitor who was able to undercut them by making like a $50 model. And that's one of the reasons why. Uh, her boss is so aggressive about them making a cheaper version so they could compete because they're getting their own technology sold out from under them and uh, plagiarized. And he also does this with Megan. So I, this might be the wrong time to talk about it, but it seems like possible sequel bait that those Megan designs got out to their competitor. I like that. But anyway, th- this guy is shitty. So he, he also gets what's coming to him. <laughs> well, it, it gets into something that like I hadn't really thought about in a lot of the other horror movies we've watched, like, what do we think kind of is the purpose of a scene where a character dies? And I would argue that, like, in movies like Friday the 13th and Scream, it's about making us feel uncomfortable and feel like characters we have projected ourselves into are in danger, and that amplifies Mm -hmm. the fear. But what makes me think that the creators and writers and directors and, and performers of Megan knew so clearly what they wanted to make that they are making kills that we're, like, rooting for and cheering for, which is a completely different experience for most horror movies. Yeah. It's such an interesting, like, subversion of the genre. Like, we start loving these kills until it happens to Gemma, who I, I would also say is portrayed as a dick for the first oh, half of the Oh, she is. Yeah, for even longer than that, maybe. She is... Very much in this insidious way, trying to put herself in front of the kid, which, again, she's mm-hmm. obviously a career person who never wanted to be a mother. She just mm-hmm. signed up for it because it's what her sister wanted. Um, and yeah. she wanted to respect her sister's wishes. Um, we see Gemma go through, like, a really clear and yeah. emotional arc. Because, like, like, of course she, you wouldn't be out. down to do this immediately. Like, of course it takes time. It takes time to get used to each other. It takes time to get used mm-hmm. to a whole other person that now you have to prioritize after never factoring that in. Like, it's mm-hmm. very sudden for all of them. And I think they do a good job at portraying Gemma as being a certain type of character who is a certain type of way who does go through an arc and changes mm-hmm. with that. Especially when she starts seeing, like, Oh, this thing I've created, um, I really don't have control of it. I don't know what it's doing. And now it is actively harming my niece, who is now basically like my daughter. And also just Mm -hmm. the way that she exploited her niece's suffering and sadness Mm. at her parents' death in order to, like, have a presentation meeting to try and sell Megan. It is so gross. And, like... I would argue she didn't know that was going to happen. She didn't, but at the same time, after that happens, like, putting that story then up in part of the branding, there's, That's like, true. a commercial right. yep. for it. That's true. And, like, even after that happens, she goes and agrees to do it again. And then mm-hmm. when she gets bit by the dog and her arm is really hurt, she's like, you don't have to go, but, you know, if you feel up to it. Basically, right. pretending to give her an out, but obviously the child cannot say no to this situation right. where she is strong arming her without appearing to strong arm her. And it's like, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a good way of uh, <laughs> towing that line. I see what you did there. The detail that like really caught me about Gemma's character that like infuriated me was her like kind of pushing this like coaster thing in her house. <laughs> yeah. That's a great representation of that. Yes. The little girl keeps drinking glasses of water and setting it down. And Gemma's like, Ahem. <laughs> put it on yeah. a coaster and then she just trains megan 
to remind Katie every time to use a coaster. And it was like, that is such a frustrating detail of like, this kid's going through a lot, you're going through a lot, but at the same time, Gemma has lived her life a certain way. She has certain expectations for her house. Like, it's a very real, like, detail that kind of sums up, like, how she's going through this. And the fact that it's using that glass of water to just, to, is her first, like, physical victory over Megan when Megan's trying to choke her to death is just like, oh, she's no longer worried about what is happening to this glass of water. She's using it to protect Katie in whatever way she can. Uh, just like a really crystal clear, beautiful arc for this character. I was really moved by it. It was great. I think also with that coaster being used as a device, it's kind of, it's very interesting how much mileage they got out of this. Uh, after mm. she has been like trained to use it because Megan reminded her, when she is having a fight with Gemma later, she purposefully does not use the coaster. Yeah. And puts it on the table. So she's like, you know how mad I am because I'm not using the coaster, mm. even though I know I'm supposed to use the coaster. Take that. And if I remember that scene correctly, that was when Gemma, like, noticed that and was kind of like, oh, right, there's bigger things going on right now. And yeah. And harp on it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, she chose not to say anything, but instead mm-hmm. observed it and was like, yeah, oh, that's fun. that's interesting. And also just, like, the dual parenting thing where instead of making a toy, she made a surrogate parent. And then when that yes. surrogate parent uh, becomes, like... Yeah, that's that kid is her entire world. So of course that's what she would become. And then since you built no safety protocols, and of course it's going to become warped. It's all your own fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, then once you decide that's gone on too far, then you're going to take it out. So there is this sense of Frankenstein's monster where you created it. It's not really Megan's mm-hmm. fault that she exists and is the way she is. It's Gemma's fault. So I think it's an, another thing that kind of makes you. Th- be on Megan's side a little bit or seeing like she only cares about the kid until like Mm -hmm. you know stuff happens later and she's says I'm my own primary user and tries to kill them because they're trying Mm -hmm. to kill her right yeah very reasonable um what do we talk about all the time like horror movies can't just be I mean they can be we've like plenty of horror movies that are just like uh the fucking scream killers around and he's killing teenagers great but like for horror to really resonate with me it's got to be speaking to some sort of real life fear And I think what you're getting at right here is the thing that's really scary about Megan. It's this idea of using these devices and these toys to parent. Yeah. And the, like, the trade you have to make as a parent where, like, I I don't think there's a huge difference in the way that Katie reacts to Megan than I've seen kids who I love very much, you know, my nieces and nephews, react to their tablets like they yes. form these attachments yep. to them and if you take them away screen learning screen parents yep they freak out because it's like they're dependent on it they're addicted to it in a way mm-hmm. where like they can't feel like they're complete until they have it because they're used to having it all the time it's an outlet yeah, they formed an emotional connecting yeah. connection to it and there's so that, much like, time with it like you know when you think about kids with their favorite stuffed animals i don't know i feel like mm-hmm. kids still have favorite toys in that respect too but i wouldn't be surprised if yeah it's going to be something like that where they're going to freak out if you take their tablet away from them just like they would any other treasured toy that they formed mm-hmm. an emotional attachment to I remember I was just about to say, like, I formed this kind of attachment to my Nintendo 64 growing up. Like, if my Nintendo 64 had been taken away from me, I would have been furious. But, like, that was because I had so many emotions tied up into it. I I think that, like, the fact that this movie opens with Katie in the backseat playing on her tablet with this uh, perfect Furby guy. Yeah. Like, this movie was very clear. And they got that limited screen time. Yes. And they're talking about screen time. Yeah. This movie is talking, like, it, it doesn't have a, a an agenda necessarily, but it's like, yo, this is a movie about this real thing that we're all kind of going through, and we're sort of exploring it and hyperbolizing it to see what it looks like at its logical end, but it's like, yeah. this is kind of like the perfect horror movie for me, just because, like, it's scary, it's got characters, it's, um, it, it, it has something to say about a, a real world fear, it's tapping into something that we've all experienced. You know, none of us have ever had a dream that our plane exploded <laughs> and then death's design was after us. But all mm-hmm. of us have felt like parenting is overwhelming and I don't know, not all of us, uh, those of us who have been involved in parent, and maybe not even parenting, like babysitting or or uh, niece and nephew watching. Like, yeah, this is a hard job and I don't know what to do besides like, oh, fuck it, you'll eat macaroni and cheese? Great, I'm just going to feed you macaroni and cheese. I don't want to have this argument about broccoli again. Yeah. And, and that's 
upsetting. Like that, that is a real life problem and fear because you know, taken to his extreme, if that kid only eats macaroni and cheese, they're going to die. Yeah, you not, die if you healthy. eat too much macaroni and cheese, Roxy. Not healthy for your health intake and yeah, just like habits. Like it's not good for your body, not good for your mind to just be doing that, especially when you're <laughs> growing. And I can't count how many times I've been to the grocery store and I've seen people with kids. Their kid is just like sitting in the cart with a screen tapping at the screen while the parent is shopping just because like that's just what you do now that seems to be what modern parenting is Uh, i have a friend who just had a baby recently and even that little baby crawling around is looking at a screen Uh uh-huh yeah so i i can't even imagine how it's going to grow and shift and it shows how technology can be a big boon to us but also if we are irresponsible with it and we aren't thinking Mm -hmm. about what we're actually trying to do with it in this way, like it can get out of control. It can get out of hand. It can turn into something that is no longer helpful. Yeah. Which I'm not saying it's like trying to scare you off of technology. It's just more asking the question, like what is our responsibility with technology to technology and ourselves and how Mm. we use it? Like what? Yeah. Think about why you use the thing if you're using it, you know? It's the evolutionary purpose of a story <laughs> to mm-hmm. to find emotionally connective ways to impart a message upon us. Like this movie's for a lot. La- I-, I don't want to say that Megan has a message. <laughs> it doesn't. Like I don't want to think that this movie has an agenda. I've definitely seen movies. I think of this movie, uh, yes. Killing Me Softly. Do you remember this movie? Did you see this I ever? I do not know what that is. What, what is it? Uh, I don't remember anything about this movie other than it like came out in 2013, but took place during 2008. And was like this way to couch an anti-capitalist like Brad Pitt at the end is just like, this is America and I get mine. And it was like, yeah, this is a movie about like, oh, America yeah. sure is this the, way. There's a difference movie, between Megan is Soapbox. Not that. Yeah, there's a difference between yeah. Soapbox and just like, you know, talking about something that's true. Um, right. And when you get people on a Soapbox when it's obviously like, oh, a writer wrote this because that's what they think. Instead of it being something that a character would do. Like, that's when mm-hmm. it drives me up the wall. There, there are certain like directors a- and some movies that I'm just like, I cannot fucking watch this because it's just the director talking <laughs> to me, standing on his soapbox for like 10 minutes straight. Like, please don't uh, let yeah. me out of this theater. I hate it. It, it This Megan feels like it comes from this very organic place. It's like mm-hmm. this. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to <laughs> suspect that I know, you know, the uh, makeup of its creative team. But like whoever was in charge of <laughs> making this movie like, was observing this and saying, like, that's a pretty scary thing and kind of, like, logically extrapolating aspects out from that. And I, I don't know. I just think it's, like, a super effective, like, great, funny, interesting, good job. Yeah. Good and job, I think, movie. Good job. <laughs> Towards the end, when Megan is also talking about, like, how Gemma created her and, like, the tech behind her and everything, she men- she has this, like, speech at the end when she's essentially holding her hostage when she's, like, Remember when we used to stay up late and talk and all this stuff? And, like, we we talk about this movie and this author and all this thing. Where she is almost couching herself as if she is, like, the other parent. Like, the other mother, the other Mm. partner in this relationship. As if, yes, they are both both married and both equal (laughs) parents in this scenario. Um, Which I thought was really interesting. I'm not sure if they're trying to do anything with that in particular. Mm. uh, But I think you could maybe sort of extrapolate how sometimes in some relationships whether you have a kid or not things will be unbalanced and like the thing with a person who is a full-time mom that's a full-time job you can't be like oh you were just at home all day it's like no i never stop working maybe you get to Mm -hmm. go to work and then come back but then your job ends and then you have to help here because I'm still working. Like I, mm-hmm. I need to be able to eat food cause I haven't been able to, cause I've been taking care of kids. So I don't know if they're uh, necessarily there, a- we're trying to say something there, but I feel like there's a nugget of something there where Megan's entire existence is focused around the child. She is 24 seven, just huh. only focused on the kid. Uh, what do you think, Mikey? Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I hadn't necessarily thought about that. Uh, a show I just watched and very much loved, even though it became a weird little meme. Um, Fleischman is in trouble. Uh, what is, is on that? Hulu. Uh, it's based on a novel. It's like a short, oh. it's a single season of TV that is based on one novel. Okay, with, that's appealing. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes and Lizzie Kaplan, and it's incredible. I actually really love it. But they have a very interesting, Lizzie Kaplan's character is a working mother, and she has this moment where she's hanging out with all her stay-at-home moms, and they're all kind of making the same, like, jo- they're like, ugh, these uh, 
douchebag men think that their job is so hard. Try being a mom. And Lizzie Kaplan is saying like, well, yeah, there is a job harder. Th- like th- they, say, they say, there's no job harder than being a mom. And Lizzie like, Kaplan's like, no, there is a job harder than being a mom. It's being a mom who also has a job. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. Yep, two yep, things yep. combined. Um, and I do like that idea of Megan being a, uh, Megan is a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And it's and there is kind of this angle of like, how dare you criticize me? This is what uh, I'm doing the job and you're doing your different job. I'm not telling you how to design perfect pets. We have different obligations and you don't, if you don't know my world, how dare you criticize me? That adds yeah. a little bit of like a layer that feels true and right to me. I kind of like that. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that you picked up on that too. Cause I was like, it can't just be me. No, like the, oh, the phrasing, well, hey. obviously. <laughs> To be clear, I did not pick up on it. That was you presenting it to me just now and me uh, jumping on it. So I really uh, you, appreciate you the, win like, points. How many you win layers? thematic points. Ooh, yay. I'll take those points. Thank you. <laughs> like, I'm sure if we rewatch it, because I've only seen this movie once, I would love to rewatch it again as well. There's probably so many little things. There's this whole thing about these collectibles that Gemma has and... Mm-hmm. For me, it was it's like Spider Man pointing at Spider Man because I'm like, oh, because I'm I'm also mm. definitely uh, the kind of person who <laughs> collects things like that that could be that they're toys in any other sense of the word, but it's like, no, I would not give that to like a little kid to throw around. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not for you. It's a collectible, not a toy. <laughs> and that was actually the very first moment that I like really loved Gemma as a character when there's this psychologist who is like, well, maybe we could play with one of those toys and she's like that's those are Gemma's collectibles and she just immediately sells them out she's like she knows what the stakes like when the chips are yeah, down but man she's like great let's slice it open and play with it it's her very much like in this moment when I'm having to choose like she's not really choosing her she collectibles is like over so, the kid yeah the way that the actress plays it and the way the script writes it like she hates doing that you can tell she's only doing it because the therapist made her feel guilty that she did mm-hmm. that and it's not like she even needed to use those. Well, the way that like she she's like, no, we can we can totally do it. Yeah, we can totally do it to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's trying to placate this lady. Then she gets a box cutter and like opens it so viciously. And then it's like this little plastic transforming thing, but it's in the shape of a ball roughly. But mm-hmm. obviously you're supposed to take it apart and move it. And so the kid's just rolling it along the floor. And she's like, go ahead and roll it to Aunt Gemma. And she's like, well, actually, that's not what you're supposed to do with it. Like, she tries to explain, <laughs> like, how you actually do something more with this toy. And then the therapist kind of yeah. looks at her like, what? And she's like, okay, fine. You know, it's fine. She can just roll it. It's it's yeah. just a it's just a ball. It's not like it's a really expensive collectible that's supposed to do all these cool things. Like, just, sure, roll it on the <laughs> ground. Uh- <laughs> it, it is very much like she Gemma exists in this world of, like, I have my way of doing things. I use coasters. I have collectibles. I do it. Yeah, and then she's it, a single once- person in a single home. So everything yeah. is, like, tailored to her because it's her living space. It's what she controls. I, I think that's why I was, like, so moved by this character of Gemma is just, like, she is doing her best but just doesn't know how it's just like she's like it's not that she's like malicious she's just like trying to use like the previous convention yeah the way you handle glasses is put it on coasters the way you handle toys is put them on a shelf like she just has her way of thinking about things and then when somebody confronts her when a therapist comes in and confronts her and says like what do you mean she doesn't have toys she like once she sees it from somebody else's point of view she tries really hard (laughs) to make it work for her her coworker also says that too because she's like, "You're not spending a lot of time with her. Like, you should be spending more time with your daughter." And she's like, "She's not mm-hmm. my daughter." And right. they both look at each other. She's like, "Oh, you you shouldn't have said that. I can't believe you just said right. that." And she was like, "Oh, yeah." She like kind of catches herself to be like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, she actually is." <laughs> okay, I should be making more of an effort. And then yeah, especially as she sees her dependence on Megan and like Megan just kind of also trying to exert control in a way and then like not turning off when she's supposed to safety protocols don't work anymore mm-hmm. she's hacked the alexa she's on the internet learning god knows what i think we joked to somebody i can't remember who on the discord said it but like they never found the dog's body and mm. someone was like oh she probably just went through like cold cases or crime files or something on the internet to figure out how to dispose of a body because that's on the internet uh-huh. And then later, when she is killing the neighbor, she's like, where's Bruce? Where, or not Bruce, sorry, Bruce is the robot. Whatever the dog's uh-huh. name is. She's like, where, where is he? And she's like, oh, he's 27 feet over and five feet down in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really something funny. that I, I'm a little worried we're losing track of 
because this movie, I think, is pretty, like, thematically rich and interesting and, like, well done. We're losing this character of Megan, who fucking rules. Megan, is a, as a robot, is, like, sassy and like yeah, is kind lines. of a tiktok kid <laughs> like, well she's very self-aware and has learned and is like working within the confines of the discussion like a cop mm-hmm. comes to talk to them about the missing neighbor and she's like no we've all been here and like megan winks at the cop she, he's like can i talk to both of your girls and he's like no that she says no that one's just a toy and then megan winks when Gemma's back is turned <laughs> at the cop and he's like what <laughs> She's she's doing this like she has this way of interacting that is like sarcastic and bratty and funny yeah. when uh, Gemma's like, have you been killing people? And Megan's like, well, my goodness, I hope not, because then we'd both be in trouble when we're like, like yeah. she's not behaving like a robot. She's behaving like a person who is like a super dramatic operatic kind of villain <laughs> which is so funny and is exactly the kind of thing she would learn and pick up on and is a, how a lot of like bratty little kids yeah. function it's awesome especially with how Gemma created her she's supposed to be a learning robot she so she just mm-hmm. never kind of stops so she learned like how to take control of her own systems how to put herself in the uh Alexa thing how to hack a phone how to synthesize people's voices all this different kinds of stuff uh, that mm-hmm. she then uses to her advantage. So she uses, like, every advantage she can as a uh, high-tech, like, AI that basically functions like a human. Like, I, they d- I don't remember if they said it specifically is modeled off of, like, human brain patterns. Maybe they did. Mm-hmm. But that kind of drive to keep learning and everything is a very human thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And then giving a robot that that has limitless potential and access and you didn't put any sort of safeguards at all like the amount of (laughs) just flying by the seat of their pants they didn't back this up they didn't put any fail safes in place it speaks to Gemma's character in that way where she just doesn't think about those things she was just thinking Mm. about trying to make a learning robot she was not thinking about how it would affect the world or itself once it actually got out there yeah. Uh, so it shows like she didn't even really care about Megan in that way either. Because if you were creating something like that, that you want it to be an individual in some way, like you would, even if it is a toy, like you should be having some amount of care if it's going to have some amount of sentience. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's <laughs> not wrong. You're not wrong. Listen, there, Megan is the kind of character that like, it's a perfect example of like, we always talk about, you know, Final Destination is <laughs> a movie fresh on my mind mm-hmm. that we talked about like, we just don't know what the rules are. We don't know what the rules are. Like, w- this movie would be... You can do all these fun kills if we just know what the rules are. Megan is this perfect example of them saying, like, the rules are, we built her this way, she uses the internet this way, and she therefore behaves this way. Like, it all flows yeah. logically from this, like, you're going down a staircase of understanding mm-hmm. how this character thinks and feels. And then once you do, like, they don't spend a ton of time on that. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah they here's don't how need she works. To. Especially with context clues and things in the background. Yeah. They can, they do very much the show, not tell kind of thing in several cases, uh, which is great. But even, even that, across. I would argue, like, not a ton of screen time is devoted to yeah. showing it. It's like, yeah, they, they say don't it need up to. top, it's, it and then they get to just have fun. They get to just do, again, the thing that, like, a movie wants to do. You just mm-hmm. to just have fun. You get to see Megan behaving in ways that make perfect sense, but are surprising and funny. When she bends down to on chase after that boy <laughs> on all fours, I was screaming, Roxy. It it's so funny that she has that ability, but it and also totally makes sense. to because do that, too. Well, like, we know what Megan's want is. Megan's want is to protect Katie, mm-hmm. and the way she would protect Katie articulates itself in new ways. It's just, like, it's surprising, but also kind of inevitable. It's just... Yeah. I'd say there's another way making. to get, like, we talked about many ways that it gets the audience on the side of Megan, or at least you're not, like, like, you don't hate Megan by the end of it. By the end of it, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, Megan, you gotta stop. But you don't, like, hate her, <laughs> you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's because for the entire D of the movie, her goal is just to protect this kid. Like, she does have what is inherently, like, a very good goal to protect mm-hmm. the kid. She just takes it too far. So I think, like, at its core, that very simple idea, the very simple motivation, you know, like, that's going to resonate with anyone pretty sure, mm-hmm. whether you have a kid or not. You've and been a kid who's bullied, wish you had a Megan robot who could help you, maybe? <laughs> Roxy, this is very anecdotal, and maybe not indicative, but, like, I feel like I have heard a lot of talk about how Megan has been very successful. 
yeah uh, at the box office incredibly um, so i i About host time. a trivia night at the alamo draft house in los angeles mm-hmm. and one of Very the bartenders cool, by the way go go check out mikey's trivia nights please if you're in the area go do it if you're in los angeles wednesdays at 8 p.m come have trivia with me come have do a it trivia with if you mention if you mention scary basement holy shit mikey you should buy them a drink if they actually do it <laughs> yes, I will buy you a drink on my unlimited tab that I have when I'm hosting there you trivia go. there. Yeah, you come, come uh, and mention Scary You mentioned Scary Basement. <laughs> um, but one of the bartenders just anecdotally told me, they were like, usually January is a super dry yes. time for movies. Yeah, this January has been insane, Mikey. Absolutely insane. He specifically attributed it to Megan. He was like, Meg- like everybody's seeing Megan. We don't have shows that are not... Uh, filling up or sold out like people are coming and they're talking about megan people love megan yeah megan was huge so missing is like a thriller movie that is a sequel to another movie apparently missing was really good i haven't seen it Mm. uh women talking is that one that you saw mikey i i have seen women talking it fucking rules okay yeah that's also in january like what then yes, well, also, of course, Megan. You know, uh, plane. As, as apparently, know. people like plane, even though it sounded terrible. <laughs> plane is a very funny movie. <laughs> I haven't seen see it, it, but like the idea that, like, uh, I, I remember seeing somebody tweeting about like, uh, watch this trailer and wait till you see the reveal of the title. <laughs> yep, yep. I also saw that doing the rounds. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I gotta say, like, January being such a dead zone means it's, like, free game. You have a movie that's good, Mm. it's gonna fucking kill that month. And it seems like multiple different people were like, yeah, let's do it, and (laughs) dropped a bunch of them in there. And I love that, because it's stupid that January is a dumping ground for, like, quote-unquote bad movies. Like, why is that? Who Just idiots at the studio are like, eh, we don't get tax breaks from it. It doesn't, like, go into our portfolio the same way. Well, I think there is, like... There is probably a business sense. Like, summer is for big blockbusters because kids are out of school. Yeah. And December is for Oscar bait because then it's going to be freshest on the mind of Academy voters. So movies that kind of fall in between that are kind Especially of Especially because it's after, like, holidays. But, like, it shouldn't yeah. be like that. That's one of the things that sometimes January can feel a little bit like a nothing month, depending on what your hmm. New Year's resolutions are, if you're even doing those or going back to work or anything you know, you're coming off mm-hmm. of this vacation for most folks where, like, you got to relax, see family, you know, eat a lot of good food, hopefully get some gifts. And then it's like, well, now I have to go back to fucking work. I have yeah. to go back to just the grind. Great. There that is sucks. kind of this question about, like, when people are opening back up after the holidays. Is yeah. it January 1? Is it January 15th? Like, people, exactly. like, slow. And I think, like, movies and art, you know, games, all these things that help make life, like, extra worth living or something to look forward to like there should be things in january that you want to look forward to and i think it's weird that collectively a lot of people have just decided well this month nah you're just gonna be miserable going back to work how about that (laughs) enjoy your january well you know roxy we have both very much clearly talked about how much we enjoyed megan but now let's put some numbers on it on a scale of one to five thumbs and remember we can go over two thumbs up because we have this big basket of hands. How many thumbs up would you give the movie Megan? Mikey, it's the first movie I'm giving a five on Scary wow. Basement. I loved it that much. I had that much fun with it. Even us talking about it again like this, figuring mm-hmm. out like, oh, they did even more new interesting things that I didn't pick up on the first time around. Like, I I feel like it's very good. It's something I could rewatch, I feel like, a lot. I want to buy the Blu-ray of this, and I don't want to buy mm. Blu-rays of a lot of movies. Wow. So I'm very excited to have a five five out of five movie, five thumbs. So two of my own thumbs and three from the basket over wow. here. All right. That's the highest score you've ever given a movie. So far, yeah. And it was pretty wow. easy to give. I, I was like, should it be a 4.5? Nah, just just make it a five. What the hell am I waffling mm. about? It's a five. What about you, Mikey? We did the exact same thing. I waffled the other way. I went 4.5 thumbs. Damn. Okay. It's, it's this tricky thing that like you don't necessarily want to see. Like the, the last movie I gave five thumbs up to was um, Let the Right One In. Yeah. And that felt like it had a lot of like emotional heft. And this movie, it, it's like, it's almost unfair to say that like this movie is a great roller coaster ride and all of the things that it's doing like are emotional and interesting but never in a way that are like poetic. Like it feels like like it's not a 
uh, it, it's, it almost feels snobbish of me to say it like this, but like Megan is so much fun that I almost wouldn't put it into this upper echelon. It's like, it's great at what it's doing, but what it's doing isn't ever going to move me as much as the Oscar caliber movies <laughs> that I uh, have also like loved. Like Megan didn't make me cry. I think that's kind of the difference. This and it wasn't trying to, kid... and it's almost not fair to hold it to that standard. I but guess. for me to give it five thumbs, I need I need to have that like emotional um lurch forward. This is us arguing about 0.5 thumbs, which is nothing. It's basically a knuckle. <laughs> I'm gonna but go say, ahead. What were you saying? Yeah, sorry, I don't need to interject here. I don't need to keep this going, but uh I I think it does plenty. I think it hits enough emotional beats and like we were of differing opinions for let the right one in Mm -hmm. so like it didn't impact me the same way it impacted you i think the scene where she's talking about her parents death like Mm -hmm. felt very real and then especially with like these adults watching her and like being like this is a meeting for a product and this little girl's grief is on spectacle here to try and sell a capitalistic product that is going to make the people in this room Mm -hmm. money and you know from that kid, it's not prompted on purpose. The people in the audience, they don't know. They are immediately uncomfortable when she starts talking about it. Gemma watching in horror, like, oh, shit, I didn't know they were going to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I haven't been taking care of this kid because she's talking about this. But then is so mm-hmm. distracted by it pulling off so well with the stakeholders that she doesn't even think to follow up on it. Like, the tragedy of this kid suffering while all these people are just rubbing their hands together, like, yeah, profits, the next stage Uh of human devices, it's here, we did it first, Mm -hmm. guys. Uh, I think that really resonated with me, along with plenty of other things, too, but, like, that moment in particular, I feel like that has Mm -hmm. enough emotional weight for me, personally, but... That's again. Fair. That's I mean that's fair. Mileage is gonna vary, people have preferences, different things Mm -hmm. hit people different ways, so... Yeah, uh, I'm happy to have my first 5.0 move, movie, and a 4.5 yeah. is a very good score, Mikey. From it's you, the second best score I can do. It truly is. It's very good. <laughs> Roxy, do you have a question for me? Yeah. So there's a scene with a horrible bully child uh, who Ugh. got his ear ripped off, and everybody cheered. Anyway, <laughs> who was the kid that you never wanted to be paired up with in school, and nobody did? Period. Because this kid has some sort of stank on him, whether they were just. A bully like this kid, or maybe they did stink. Who knows? Some sort of stank is a good yeah. way to put it. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is a podcast called Normal Gossip. And they do a very interesting technique where they change the names of everybody. So I do want to do that. Um, yes, just I will be doing that for my turn kid as is doing well. That. Um, but this kid's name was Greg Gruber. <laughs> and he just like it kind of sounded like it kind of sounded like goober <laughs> like, no. it was just like kind of a, a gross name and he was just like no one liked him he didn't have friends but he also had kind of like a group of like four other dudes who were like i don't know socially like not that much higher than him so whenever there were um pairing up moments if the numbers worked out it would sometimes be that I was the fifth man out of my group of friends, and oh. he was the fifth man out of his group of friends. And so I do remember um, something about Spanish class. I did not. I had like two Spanish classes um, uh-huh. with Senorita uh, uh, Frijole, I believe was her name. Uh, that was me about to say her real name, and then last minute, <laughs> okay, I was going to say, wait a minute here, I can't hear. It's that's not an okay name. And yet that's what I'm saying. Uh Senorita Ferholi. Uh she would pair me up with Greg Gruber and it was just like it was awful and I hated this kid and uh I don't remember why I hated him so much and just recently I was talking with my therapist about some sort of insecurity I had and my therapist had asked me like, "Well, how did you feel when this happened in this social interaction. And it's like, I felt like this kid I grew up with, Greg Gruber. And I told my therapist all about him. And my therapist was just like, oh, that's really sad. And I was just like, I had never thought about this kid being sad. Yeah, How did, like, <laughs> What kind of monster am I that I never had even a second? I was like, kid, kids oh, yeah, are just mean, did. man. They just, and I, they're doing it without thinking about it. Like, it was, yeah. The first time I ever like retroactively had empathy and was just like, oh yeah, I do, I was so concerned about how I looked being paired up with Greg Gruber. I never once even dreamed how Greg Gruber would feel. 
And it's uh, uh, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, got it. I got to reframe how I think about this kid now. Because if I feel like Greg Gruber, like, that's not the worst thing in the world because it's just, like, a sad situation. And realistic people hear that you're in that situation like, oh, my God, I want to help. As opposed to me, who is just like, oh, I hear you're in that situation and I want to distance myself from it because I can't be that myself. Yeah, (laughs) it's that kid social order thing where, like, you are, it's survival of the fittest in a way where you're like, I'm... I don't have the empathy yet to, like, be nice to this person. I'm just thinking about my own social standing. And, yeah, like you said, you didn't want to be dissociated with him because the minute you do, then you also have no friends because that's how kids work because kids are mean. That's how it's it functions. <laughs> Horrifying. Ugh, Roxy, who is your Brendan? Um, so there were probably some examples, like, earlier in my childhood or something. I feel like so many of them are too distant or things I don't want to get into. So I think the most recent example is uh, in college, which me and Mikey went to college together. So you were going to know these folks, too, Mikey. Uh, I will be changing their names, but from the descriptions, I'm sure you're going to know exactly who they are. (laughs) So there was two people in in particular. Uh, We are going to call them Dirk and Margaret. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, so Margaret was the biggest liar you have ever met, and she would lie with a straight face. She was like, mm. I knew M. Night Shyamalan, and he told me about this script trick that when you give your script to somebody, you put a mandarin orange on it because people are like, oh, a delicious mandarin orange, and now I'm looking at your script because I picked up the thing sitting on it, so now I'm going to read your script. And we're like, yeah, sure, you know M. Night Shyamalan, he told you how to do that. Then she's like... <laughs> Oh, you know what? That reminds me of when I got an Olympic medal in diving the deepest depths in the ocean to this degree and like made up some number, which uh, I'm willing to bet isn't safe for humans to dive at. And like, yeah, sure. I bet you really you really got an Olympic gold medal <laughs> medal. And she'd make up all these stories about like working at different companies that she couldn't have worked at knowing these different celebrities she couldn't have known a- anything. If If somebody was talking about like, cat in the hat the movie she'd be like oh i knew someone on the cat in the hat thing it's just whenever you were talking about something she Mm. had to insert herself as if she knew better and was more important and you should look to (laughs) her and think she's cool because we're talking about this thing it's really my least favorite quality in a human being oh it it was so tiring it was so exhausting anytime i had a class with her i was like oh my god i hope i have headphones or just don't have to sit near her um which i mean man i guess there's something to be said for the confidence she exuded with which the thing she spoke um so she was number one margaret dirk was number two he was dirk was really kind of a scuzzy dude he might have been like i'm not sure with his social interactions or what but he Anything you would try and excuse to be like, oh, maybe he's just awkward or something. Then he'd say something like really offensive or rude or just yeah. like incredibly sexist or like <laughs> racist. And you'd just be like, man, I, I like tried to give you like the benefit of the doubt. But every time I try, you just like slide back and say something horrible. And I'm like, I can't defend that even when I'm trying to be as nice as possible about it. Dirk and- was kind of the opposite of my buddy Greg Groover in mm-hmm. that like. You're like, oh, you just when you're starting to feel empathy for him, he reminds you why he doesn't deserve empathy. (laughs) Like, actually, I'm really a dirtbag. It went so far as to the fact that he had a comic that was about like, so he's a straight man, by the way. He had a comic about two lesbian girls who were into bondage and one of them was like into pet play and would just make like a comic about them like for his own gratification and put it on the internet and force us to see it in class at times when we would do class presentations to have comics. And it'd be like, right. dude, if you want to do that on your own time, put it in your own corner of the internet, I don't care. But that is not the assignment. And I didn't need to see your kink like that, especially when it's like <laughs> you were a straight man who is just like fetishizing lesbians. Please stop being gross in front of me. I'd appreciate it. Um, but anyway, so long story short, these two individuals had a class with both of them once. Uh, and there was like a field trip where, like, me and a couple of friends, I remember we were hanging back talking about stuff because we were like, we don't want to, like, accidentally start a conversation about how this, how Margaret was also an Olympic skier, too. I don't need to know about it, about her lies <laughs> again. And we saw the Mikey in front of us hold hands because they were Whoa. walking together. And we were like, oh, damn, the two most annoying people in class found each other and they're happy <laughs> together. Holy shit. It's perfect. I've never seen like such a match made in heaven as these two guys. Uh, I, I'm very happy for them. And also, it's, wow, what? 
unbelievable when the two worst people fit together <laughs> like of course of course they got together i never would have guessed disgusting well, at least they're love happy i guess between those people specifically Ugh, i love them roxy last week we made a bet about mm-hmm. megan we asked does the fourth build actor survive the movie i said no and i said yes the answer, the fourth build actor, was Amy Donald, who played the Megan actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was just Megan. Um, I think it, all things it taken unclear. into account, yeah. we, we get a sequelized kind of hint mm-hmm. that maybe Megan survives through this artificial intelligence. Yeah, uh, like the Alexa, Alexa home thing, Although, whatever they call it. I can't remember. You know... I'm just kind of realizing this. Amy Donald is the little girl who plays the physical Megan. The fifth build actor is the voice of Megan. Oh. So I think we could even take this one step further. We decided, like, pretty much we see Megan get ripped apart by Bruce. Like, she's yeah. pretty much dead and defeated in this movie. Yeah, the body is even if her mind might be somewhere else. Physically, so. that character, Megan, the fourth yeah. build actor, is dead. And so. especially since it's unclear, it's just like, here's a sequel hint, but we're not going to say anything. So you can't say anything about right. it. She, she's gone. She's she's done. She's though. gone. So that's going to give that point to me. Mikey, Mikey McCaller. That puts our total score at Roxy with 41 points. Mikey with 32 points. Ty with four points. All right. Look at that. <laughs> I was waiting Look to see if you were. Look at that scoreboard. <laughs> excited or angry i mean or you're you're catching up to me mikey uh yeah but it means nothing so it's just for funsies we're just we're just it's keeping Im- score for funsies it's important to remember that it's it means nothing one thing that does mean something demon bot he means our impending not quite doom but certainly end of our bodies i will say though mikey we've we've been talking a lot about evil robots this episode uh, do you think it's going to give him ideas? I don't know uh, I how I think not. about that. You know what, Roxy? Let's maybe let's maybe uh, give Demon Bot the mic. Uh, maybe we don't even need to listen to this. Let's maybe let Demon Bot have his moment in the sun to kind of extrapolate what he thinks about the old Megan. Of course, your organics would automatically assume that Megan was evil. Sure, she killed four people and a dog. But really, was Megan actually evil? Or was she only guilty of caring for Katie too much? And even in the end, was she really trying to hurt Gimma and Katie or simply acting in self-preservation as the two people she cared about most tried to destroy her? You teach a robot to love and then judge her for loving too much. Shame. Anyway, for next week you must watch the 2007 film The Orphanage or I will take your souls and claim your bodies as my own. The Orphanage. Yeah, let's think about The Orphanage right now and not anything we just heard. Sounds great. The Orphanage. <laughs> All right, next week. Uh, orphanage. I don't even know if I've seen this movie. I don't think I have. Is it I've seen. I, I saw it years ago, but I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in it. I do not remember it. So okay. I'm looking forward to it. Let's watch The it. Orphanage. Spooky, Roxy, I we got to make a bet for next week, obviously. Okay. What is your bet for The Orphanage, Mikey? What do, you, what do you say we go? How many total orphans will we see in the movie The Orphanage? <laughs> okay. Boy, I hope there aren't too many. Um, I say, as I guess, 12. 12 orphans in this movie? Even even one orphan is too many. It's I'm true. Gonna say, <laughs> I'm going to say a little lower. I'll say 10. Okay. I think we got to see we got to see enough orphans to Yeah, I, I, I hope you win with the lower number. I hope there is less than 10 orphans, honestly. <laughs> Me too. They're all going to be sad and haunted by ghosts or monsters or the specter of death. I don't know. Or even just not having parents. That's pretty. Yeah, exactly. Pile that on top of supernatural uh, horror, I think. (laughs) I don't know if that's in this movie or not. It's not like a robot movie secretly, is it? Or about the war? I don't remember. (laughs) Here's my hot take. I think children should have parents. And I'm willing to come forward and say that. I think that's very Roxy. brave of you, Mikey. No one's ever said that. <laughs> Thank you for being so brave. We've, we've been talking about a lot of scary things this episode, right? We've been uh-huh. talking about artificial intelligence. We've been talking about bad parenting. We've been talking about the lack of parents. <laughs> what is something, to end this on a high note, what is something that's making you happy? So the thing that's making me happy this week is also a YouTube video, uh, which yeah. I'm going to send it to yep. you right now. Okay. I posted on the Discord a while back. 
It is a review of a Disney cruise. So I am not someone who ever wants to go on a cruise ship normally. At least I thought so Mm. until I watched this. Uh, but uh-huh. I love immersive experiences. I love Disneyland. There, I love anytime somebody puts forth 110% effort to try and feel like you were in another world. Because uh, I that's mm. my favorite, favorite thing in the world. That is cool. So there are Disney cruise ships. And I just kind of assume like, yeah, it's just like a cruise with paint on it, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I came across this channel where this guy was giving a very honest review of his time on this new ship. Because apparently they just built a new cruise ship. So he was talking about his experience at the older ships and then this new one. This new one sounded like it was a mixed bag um, and mm. definitely not something I would want to spend $3,000 plus per ticket on or like total. Uh, it seems like he <laughs> he cashed out how much it was for like their cheaper rooms and whatever. Um, but it was very cool being able to see him walking through it with his friends, giving like, yeah, very honest reviews about stuff, talking about the comparison between this and the other ships. Um, so just being able to, like, experience a, uh, thing, attraction, I guess, that, like, I never planned to do myself, give me another look at it, it does sort of make me interested in the other Disney ships. This new one sounds like something I would never want to spend my money on, (laughs) but the other ones seem like they're very cool with their theming and everything, it's kind of like more old, old school kind of, uh, immersive experiences instead of just being, like, a screen with Ant-Man yelling at you in a dark bar for like 20 (laughs) minutes where you can't even hear the people next to you so this video it is by bright sun films i will link it we'll link it in the show notes i highly recommend watching it especially if it's like there's plenty of things i appreciate but would never go do myself and i love that there are people out there making videos like this so i can kind of like experience what that's like tangentially to kind of like see what it would be like if i Hmm went and did something I normally wouldn't do. <laughs> that sounds great. Oh, I, I, I feel the same way. I love Disneyland. I love an immersive experience. But I even like the idea of, like, a cruise being able to have, like, the complete experience. Exactly. Like, your whole yes. life is locked in. Yeah. Which, like, I have heard stories about on cruise ships before. More horror stories, honestly, to be like, hey, it's no man's land out there, baby. People disappear. Uh, people get <laughs> food <fair>. poisoning. Um, <laughs> you're that trapped. That is scary. <laughs> Things capsize. Ships go missing. Uh, you're just charged a million dollars. So it was kind of neat to be like, hey, maybe I, maybe we should go on a Disney cruise, huh? Maybe. <laughs> All those commercials. As I was a kid, I remember seeing those. They were screaming about Disney cruises. Uh, we were not a cruise family, so I never got the opportunity. Maybe I will become a cruise adult. I think it's the time. What about you, Mikey? Roxy, I'll tell you about what's making me happy. All right. Uh, I just said it for me is also a YouTube video, and I just sent oh. you the link to it. Um, oh. The actor who plays Cole in the film Megan. Okay. We actually like we we open with Katie and her parents getting killed by a snowplow, but then we cut to a man walking through the city, like going to work. And I was watching and I was like, who is that guy? I know that guy from something. And who is he? It ended up being the character Cole in the film Megan. But he is an actor named Brian Jordan Alvarez. Okay. Who made a web series that I watched a couple years ago and forgot about. Um, it's the only good web series. It's called The Gay and Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo. Okay. And it is a very, like silly uh uh magical not quite magical realism but people's responses are all very weird and silly but it's just kind of about uh this guy caleb gallo who has a bunch of friends who are gay and bi and they're just kind of living their lives and dating and having relationships (laughs) and it's it's the only good web series it's so funny it's so this sounds uh, great it's the only and it's Kind of cool to see him playing a character who wants to be an actor. All his friends want to be actors. And it looks like it worked out for him. I know that he is um, Yeah, how autobiographical is it, I guess? Yeah. It feels like like a pretty. Vlog, right? But it is, it's fictionalized (laughs) realism, I suppose. Is that what you would call it? That sounds about right. Yeah, he clearly has designs on being an actor. Mm-hmm. I know that he is big on TikTok now, Brian Jordan Alvarez. Oh, is he? Um, well, I guess with Megan yeah. blowing up, I'm sure everybody in that film, if they weren't already, yeah. will be from this. But uh, yeah, there's, I think, six episodes on YouTube. The Gay and Wonders oh, Life. Is it Caleb still going? Gallo. Or is it No, it was okay, like 2017, it. maybe. He did okay. six episodes. 
He did a season of it. That's great that it's, it's like great. completed. Like as much as I love long running things, I like complete things that know what they're about even more. Oh Christ, me too. I say even though I love oh, Final Fantasy fourteen, nobody call me on that. Get off my back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People, people <laughs> are storming the gates. Me for it. I can't believe I said that. Roxy, it's time now for haunted plugs. First of all, make sure that you're following Scary Basement on Twitter at scary underscore basement and on Instagram at scary basement pod. Roxy, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter and Twitch, both as Red Mage Roxy. On Twitch, I stream three days a week, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. And we do movie nights on my Discord. So come join my Discord, guys. Come Ooh. hang out. And the Scary Basement uh, Discord is technically on the Super NPC Discord, which yes. now exists. I am now dropping this on Mikey, not part of our normal plug section. Uh, there is a <laughs> Discord for Super NPC Radio uh, where... There's a scary basement section along with sections for all of the other folks over there and just talking about general fun stuff over there. Go check it. Yeah, it's very fun. Uh, you can find me, Mikey McCaller, on Twitter at Secret Blimp and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Secret Blimp. Also, make sure to give the Scary Basement podcast five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please do it. We'd love it ever so much if you would. I like seeing that number go up. Mikey, you like seeing that number go up? <laughs> I get a little dopamine rush, and then I run around my room with a dog, like a dog with the zoomies. It's true. He sent me video evidence of this. It's real, guys. <laughs> also, don't forget to leave us a review. That would additionally be super helpful. Um, and another way that you can show your support is by checking out the Patreon for our podcast network, Super NPC. Sign up at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, and you can get bonus episodes of Scary Basement covering horror video games as well as episodes of Super NPC Radio that me and Mikey host. In addition to all the fun stuff we're giving you, you also get access to the years and years of content from the rest of the Super NPC folks. And there is multiple podcasts, multiple years, so much fun stuff, especially if you love video games. Please go check it out. Mm -hmm. Finally, don't forget to share and scare this podcast with your friends. And as always, remember... Don't sign any contracts offered to you by Demon Robots. See you next week. Bye.